Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm joined in our remote studio by my assistant, Emily Schiltz. Emily. Hey. Great to have you. We're in Nashville. We're in Nash Vegas. Yeah. Still. Let me We've hear been in your Nash best... Vegas for apparently over a month now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> the same table. <laughs> Can uh, I hear your best Tennessee accent? Tennessee accent. Oh, that's pretty how about, good. <laughs> um, how, we've been watching Friday Night Lights. Yeah. And so like my, my buddy Garrity accent, buddy, buddy Garrity. <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah. Lila, Lila, you will not see Tim Riggins. Yeah. You can't. I love Tim Riggins. What about your Tim Riggins accent? All right. Can't do that. Texas Forever <laughs> Six. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. That was actually, if I would have closed my eyes, probably you would have been in here. Yeah. That was it. That was Tim Riggins. Yeah. Man. Well, today <laughs> we've got an awesome interview from a new friend and a good friend of mine, Carlos Whitaker. Mm-hmm. And um, he is has just released a book called Kill the Spider, just yeah. released this week. And um, it's an incredible book. I read it and it talks a lot about his story and some healing that he's undergone through his journey. And um, when I first saw the title of the book, Kill the Spider, it it kind of freaked me out because I'm a little bit scared (laughs) of spiders, to be honest with you. I was like, I'm with you, Carlos. I will kill every spider that comes in contact with me. Just kill it. Are there good spiders? No. A good spider is a dead spider. Dead. Only dead. (laughs) Kill the spider. And so I thought about my greatest fear. I wanted to ask you, Emily, what your greatest fear is. I thought that would probably be pretty interesting. Before we go there, you said it reminded you of your greatest fear. So (laughs) are you going to be vulnerable too or just me? I don't know. I don't really know what my greatest fear would be. Um, I'm not really that afraid of heights. I think claustrophobia is a big one for me. Like like I I get into real tight spaces. I can start to get a little bit. Like when I'm running from the spider. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I think maybe maybe claustrophobia is a probably one of my greatest fears. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have any really weird fears or anything okay, like that. Okay, like me. You're calling me out, right? I don't do – we haven't heard, we haven't talked about your fear yet. Oh, right. This is our you first have, time talking oh, about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so um, – What is your greatest fear, Emily? Why don't you well, tell the listener? I have two big fears. Um, the first one's the dark. Which I feel like is pretty yeah, common, right? Absolutely. People are afraid of the dark. Except for my son really loves to sleep in the dark. Most kids really? are like, please turn a nightlight on for me, daddy, or turn the bathroom light on. Weston goes, turn the lights off. Turn the lights <laughs> off. I'm like, okay. So he's afraid of the light. He's afraid of the <laughs> Maybe light. Maybe he's a vampire. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm afraid of the dark. Um, but also, I'm really afraid of ladybugs. <laughs> I know you're Lady laughing, bugs. but it is real. It's the first a real time you fear. told me that, I think I laughed for a solid thirty minutes. Yeah, and Megan told us that we had to stop talking about it. There's a so word. we could we save it for it this. Up. There's a word for the fear of ladybugs. Yeah, it's really long. Oh man, it's like it's like cosinophobia or some cosinophobia. Probably you can just like rub your lips like you're under the water, like phobia. No, you know what? I'm looking it up right now. It's cosinellidophobia. Mm, Cosinella dayphobia, like a legit fear. It's a legit right? fear. Apparently, you are not the only one that suffers from cosinella, fear of ladybugs. That, yes, man, that's yeah. crazy. Well, They're real freaky. 
Uh, Carlos is, um, he's become a, a, a new friend of mine, but Carlos has been around for, for a while. And many of you guys probably follow Carlos Whitaker. He was, uh, when I first discovered him, he was kind of a, an early adopter of the whole social media thing way back mm. in the day. He was a blogger. He was the creative director for one of Andy Stanley's churches, Buckhead. That's okay. the first time I met him when I was on staff at New Spring. And, uh, and then we got connected just recently. I was scrolling through Instagram and saw that he was emceeing for Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, tour around the country, and they were stopped in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It was during the CrossFit open season. He stopped into a CrossFit box there at Cedar Rapids, mm -hmm. Iowa, and um, he said that he had just spent a workout with the owner of that gym who had just lost his wife to wow. leukemia just a couple months before that. And so obviously with my story and knowing the the pain that this guy has has gone through, um, I reached out to Carlos. I was like, hey man, can I help That's in so any way? Cool. And it was so crazy, Em, because Carlos, I, I didn't think he knew me or remembered me or mm -hmm. whatever. And 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 he Instagram messaged me back and said, you know what's crazy, man, is the whole time we were working out, we were talking about you wow. and your story and how you've walked through things since since losing Amanda. And so it turns out that that Andy, this this guy, um, he and his wife were in a small group with some of Amanda's best friends that Amanda grew up in. So it's okay. just crazy how the the world, like we don't realize God is in so much of this. The, like God's kingdom is so small, it's so big, but it's so small and so interconnected. Yeah. So Carlos and I just got connected that way, became good friends, had had lunch at a taco place in Indianapolis when he was coming through on the tour. And I just learned of his story. And I was like, I've got to have him on yeah. the podcast because he went through a season where his his marriage hit rock bottom. Mm. And uh, it looked like it was completely beyond repair. And he's going to explain a little bit about that uh, in the podcast. But now it's so cool is they are, they are, um, they're in this space where they're, they're in full fledged reconciliation yeah. and they are working on uh, making this a new marriage. And it's just a really beautiful story. And, um, he writes a lot about that in his book, kill the spider that just released. And, um, and so I'm just so pumped about this interview. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. It was so good. Me too. I'm really excited. Um, so let's lean in, let's listen in, um, and hear part one of your interview with Carlos. Well, I'm sitting here in the studio in Nashville. It's our remote studio with Carlos Whitaker. Yeah. Carlos, how are you, man? Well, first of all, could you please pronounce my name correctly? <laughs> oh, no. It is Carlos. So <laughs> I, Carlos. Okay, okay. Carlos. it's pretty good. Pretty good. I'm, I, I'm feeling... I I'm, dude, I took French in high school, so I can't do the R roll thing. But you can't... That means you can do like the the, the hawking a loogie thing. The, <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I can do. That's what you're getting. And at. I played baseball, so I just spit all the time, right? right? So it's just hawking loogies is natural <laughs> so for me. So good. Hey, man. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, yeah, it's so great to Thanks have Thanks for coming you. to my town. Dude, we wouldn't miss it. Nashville is the coolest place ever. We just ate this place called, what was it, Farmology? The, farm, the, the pharmacy. The pharmacy. Yep. The study of farm to table. It is. It is. It, it, <laughs> I tell you. Like. It, um, th this whole city is pretty farm to table. It's, uh, it's, it's as hipster as it can get. It's about, you know? That's about right. And you yeah. guys are actually like in, in Hipsterville in East Nashville over here. Is it? Like, like this, is, this is where all the hipsters live. And they call it Hipsterville, but it's still definitely kind of the hood. And so, um, gotcha. 
So, you know, the, the hipsters are here. It's East Nashville. No one ever leaves East Nashville when they're here. You know, like they, they stay, in their, stay little, in their little, they stay in their little hub. I, yeah. I live over in the Burbs. Okay. okay. So, um, but I, I stay I, out of that hipster yeah, town. Yeah, stay out of the hipster town. I'm a little old for the hipsters now, you know. Uh, I hear you, dude. So, um, <laughs> I feel it too. But uh, yeah, yeah no, man, man. Thanks so much for being here. It's just an incredible time to have you. And, um, you know, we got connected. It was really, really crazy how we got connected. Absolutely. Um, I was scrolling through Instagram. I followed you on Instagram. We had yep. met a long time ago and then noticed that you had met a guy on who was a CrossFit box owner yep. in while you were touring with the Stephen Kirsch Chapman's latest tour. Yep. Yep. And uh, you had dropped in to do 17.4 or 17, whatever CrossFit open workout it was. Absolutely. Yeah. And this guy owns the gym. I didn't make it to 17.4. So, <laughs> just, so I know it wasn't 17.2. 17. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was that. Maybe, maybe you made that. it to two, maybe three. I don't know. <laughs> and, and this guy had just lost his wife. And Absolutely. I just reached out. I was like, hey, man, is there anything I can do to help? And then at some point, you were through Indianapolis in the tour. Yep. We went and grabbed some tacos yes, we at did. Bakersfield. Bakersfield. And I've, I've been back to that same Bakersfield in Indianapolis um, because I told somebody, I want to go back here because the tacos are so good. Dude, I don't know. Because of you. How does it rival bar taco, though, in your opinion? Uh, you know what? They're, they're almost the same. You think so? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they have like a like some pork belly tacos? Yeah, at the, yeah. And, same thing at Bar Taco. Wow. Like you guys should hit, hit it up while you're here. Yeah, we but. definitely we love Bar Taco. There's another taco place right here. What is Moss it? Tacos. Moss Tacos. Yeah. Is that better? You nope. think? No, nope. Bar no, Taco. No, Bar Taco's yeah. it. I told you. Yeah. I kept yeah. telling all the guys, hey, we're just yeah, gonna do go. Bar Taco. There That's you go. it. Do it. Don't venture out. Yeah, but that. Well, yeah, so we hung out. Yeah, we, we hung out for a little bit and then just kind of connect us. You know, yeah. since then. Yep, got um, to got to hear your story, got to share stories and share what the Lord's doing yeah. in our lives. And so, man, Carlos, you just released your. Not first book, but your newest book, I guess. Yeah. And it's called Kill the Spider. We want to talk a lot about about mm. that. I'm excited about that release. It's going fantastic. It is. And um and 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 I I read it. I read it early and it was just, man, I couldn't put it down. It was an incredible read. Thanks, um but but I'm excited about jumping into that. But first I just want the listener to kind of get a little backstory on on who who you are yeah. and and kind of your story being in ministry growing up. So tell the listener a little bit about you. Yeah, you know, I um I was born in East LA in Pico Rivera. My dad was a pastor of Primera Iglesia Bautista de Pico Rivera. First, Dude, you're a PK. I am. Oh, First man. bilingual so Baptist sorry. church. Yep, that's <laughs> me. me. Too. First bilingual <laughs> Baptist church, Pico Rivera. And um, Fermin Whitaker, he, he preached his sermons in English and in Spanish, um, like in the same message. So he'd say, Dios es el mismo en inglés, God is the same in English and in Spanish. Like, so it was, it's actually phenomenal that his brain did that. He would, he would just preach his sermon in English wow. and in Spanish. So... Gosh, I, just, I grew up in that, in the church. It was, it, it was amazing. I mean, my dad's a saint. And, um, you know, went, went to California Baptist University uh, as a, um, I, I think I'd already failed out of one college by that point. So I ended up going to Cal Baptist and met some friends who were planting a church. Now, this was back hmm. in, gosh, this was back in, I don't want to date myself, but like 1998. And when nobody planted church. Nobody, no, it, there wasn't <laughs> it like wasn't a church like planting. Was like thing. a movement. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't, yeah. There, there wasn't like, oh, you're a church planner. Like that didn't really right. make that sense. That wasn't we a were, cool thing anymore. No. So we, we were just kind of dumb and college students, and we were like, well, you know, you know, we really feel like we need to do this Bible study. Tur- Bible study turned into a you know a weekly Bible study turned into um, actually we were monthly, and then it went weekly. Then it grew uh, and grew, and I ended up being on staff at a church called Sandals Church for 10 years of my life. And um, it was amazing. By the time I left, we were running like, I don't know, 5,000. Um, wow. Now I, it's been 10 years since I've left. And I, now they're running, I think, 12,000 a weekend. Wow. And it's just really cool. It's in Riverside, California. Um, I mean, Matt Brown's the pastor. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it just was, it was an incredible time. So that's where I kind of cut my teeth in ministry. Uh-huh. Um, then 
I was actually leading worship. I was the worship pastor there. I was leading worship at a conference that Andy Stanley spoke at. And um, we kind of hit it off. And I met one of his creative guys while I was there and kind of through conversations over the next year or so, next thing you know, I got a phone call saying, hey, we don't really ever hire outside of the North Point circle. Mm. They, North Point really hires from within. I mean, they, yep. they kind of, that's it. But we really feel a calling to ask you to put your name in the hat for this. It's called the service programming director at Buckhead Church. So Buckhead was one of their three campuses at the time. And mm-hmm. I just kind of followed along with it. And next thing you know, my family and I are in Atlanta. Um, and I'm on staff at Buckhead Church with Jeff Henderson. Uh, wow. Three of the greatest years of, of my life. It was an incredible time. Um, just sitting under Andy's leadership and Jeff Henderson's leadership. And uh, did that for a few years. Loved it. Um, and then the Lord took me out of there and I signed a record deal with Integrity Music mm. and went on the road touring with, uh, I mean, all the Integrity artists. At that time, Integrity was Hillsong, Pablo Balash, Israel Houghton, um, Hillsong, Hillsong, Hillsong. I mean, they, they <laughs> basically were, yeah, yeah all you know, the Hillsongs. All the Hillsongs. Yeah, all 45 versions <laughs> yeah, exactly. of them. Um, but did that for three years, full-time, toured, had a, had a great time, uh, led worship, um, Gosh, I was I was leading monthly at Elevation, so I'm really good friends with all those guys, um, and really never never thought I'd stop leading worship. I, mm. I thought that was going to be yeah. you know the thing for forever. And the Lord was blatantly clear one, uh, I guess it was 2014 now to stop leading worship. Wow! And and I didn't. And here I find my. And we can get into that later, but uh, here I find myself 2017. I've been writing books and speaking full time wow. for a couple years, and. Um, there's a story. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the Lord told me to stop leading worship too. There you go. Before I ever started. <laughs> Before you ever started. That's awesome. <laughs> I led worship in college and I'd get off stage and I'd be like, hey, what'd you guys think? And they'd be like, that was something. Mm, that was something. That was something. That was something. That was Don't know what right. it is. It was something. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. And so you're you're doing this like, I mean, mock six ministry thing, just getting thrust yeah. into these really incredible environments and you know, obviously being able to be under the leadership of, of Jeff Henderson and yeah. Andy Stanley and some of these guys. I mean, that's just that's just incredible. And um, and so so now you're writing and you're and you're speaking yeah. and um, all this life has kind of transitioned. But there's been some major transition points that have happened. And you talk about a lot of that in Kill the Spider. You talk about Absolutely. it in this book. And um, and so I want the listener to kind of hear a little bit about first of all this this book title Kill the Spider yeah right it's an interesting kind it's very intriguing when I very hear I'm like what, hold on, is, it, is this like a insecticide yeah, we, we googled happening? it and like it pops up books on it was your book first right and oh, Amazon and then good, it was like all know. these insecticide books it was yeah. like how do you actually kill a spider so so tell me a little bit about like what does that what does Kill the Spider actually mean what does that concept yeah mean so. Uh, really, the only way to do it is to tell tell you tell you the story yeah. of how I first heard it. Absolutely. Um, in, I guess it it, w- it was probably 2013. I was on my way um, to a experiential therapy retreat. This is the only way I can describe it. Called Onsite, and mm-hmm. it's about an hour outside of Nashville. Um, my therapist had told me to go. My friend Don Miller had told me to go. A couple other friends had told me to go, and I just kind of fought it forever. Um, but then kind of push come to shove a couple things that happened in my life where I knew I needed to go because I felt like I kept rubbing bleep on my blessings, mm. you know, what, what's bleep uh-huh. on my blessings. <laughs> and so that, 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 like the therapist was like, you know, Carlos, I remember, I'll never forget sitting in his office and he's like, Carlos, man, like we look at your life, you look at your life and you, you literally rub shit on your blessings all the time. Like God gives you a blessing and some, for some reason you don't feel worthy. Mm. So you find a way to destroy it. Yeah. And, 
I just remember my mouth dropping open because I was like, this is so true. Wow. Like here I am, a 39-year-old man, yep. and I'm seeing this pattern in my life. I need to fix this. So yeah, and you look at your life and you see, okay, look at all these opportunities that God's put in front oh, of me. Look at these ministry opportunities. I mean, you get thrust on these stages yeah. that, gosh, in your low mid, you know, mid 30s or your young, your early 30s. There's no way. Like, why? Why are you here at this place? Absolutely. I mean, I, so, I've been. I've, I'm. I've. There's nowhere else to go higher in ministry right, world. Like, right. I've. You know, I'm here. I am. Like, I'm at the top and. Um, and I'm constantly still doing this. And, yeah. you know, as, as a listener, if you're listening to this, um, I know a lot of you guys can relate. It's like, why can't we just get past this thing? Mm-hmm. Why can't we get past this thing? And so on-site seemed, you know, a lot of people told me about it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. So it's seven days. You turn in your phone. You, um, you're, you're in a small group setting. So it's, it's group therapy. Mm-hmm. So you're not one-on-one with the therapist. Um, and so I, I decided, you know, I'm driving there and I'm like, oh, you know, I talk to my dad at least every mm. three or four days. I better call him and let him know that I'm not, I'm going to kind of be MIA. So um, I call my dad and uh, we're about 15 minutes out and I'm like, hey, dad, um, I'm going to this, I call it a retreat mm. because I, I, <laughs> you I didn't want to, call yeah, therapy, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to this retreat and uh, I just need to let you know I'm not going to, you know, um, have my phone. So I'm just going to be, you know, off the grid. And he's like, well, you know, what is it? And I was like, well... Okay, well, you know, so I kind of explained a little bit what it was. But what I told him was, uh, and I edited it for my, my father's virgin ears, but I said, <laughs> Dad, I, I, I continue to rub crap on my blessings, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know why. And so we're about 10 minutes away now, and he goes, Carlos, let me tell you a story. And I was like, no, Dad, I don't, I don't have time. I'm 10 minutes away. He's like, no, no, listen. And this was his story, and this is where Kill the Spider came from. He goes, when I was in my early 20s in Panama, preaching my very first revival. Miss Ramirez, I'll never forget, she's 70-something-year-old woman, came forward uh, during the first night of the invitation. And she comes forward and she looks me in the eye and she goes, Pastor, can you please pray that the Lord cleans the cobwebs from my life? And I thought, oh, it's very poetic. I'll, I'll do that. And so he said, I, I prayed for Miss Ramirez's cobwebs to be cleaned out of her life. The next night she comes forward and she asks again, Pastor, can you pray a little harder tonight that the Lord cleans the cobwebs out of my life? So my dad said, I prayed a little bit harder. Then the third night, she comes forward in the revival. And I was like, by this point, I'm like, Dad, I'm pulling in the parking lot. Like, I got to say bye to the kids. Like, can you speed this thing up? And he's like, listen, third night, I, I pull into the parking lot. Or, excuse me. The third night, I give the invitation. And I see Mr. Amitas get up again and come walking forward. I'm thinking, Lord, like, what in the world? She comes forward. She looks at me. She says, Pastor, can you please pray one more time? <laughs> Just one more time that the Lord cleans. And my dad said he stopped her. Wow. And he said, no, I'm done. We're not praying that prayer anymore. Tonight we pray that he kills the spider. Mm-hmm. And when I heard him say that, something inside, like all the hairs that I don't have on my head stood up. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh. And he goes, Carlos, I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs of sin. You're there to kill the spider. Wow. So I marched out of, out, of, out of the minivan, hugged my wife and kids, walked into seven days of therapy, um, now with a purpose mm. and now with the goal um, to find the spider, yeah. first of all, because that's really what yeah, we're going to have to do. It. We got to yeah. find it first. You got to right. identify it. You got to locate it. Right. Then you have to corner it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to kill it. Mm. And I didn't, know, I didn't know any of that. I've got a nice little system right now yeah. that I just kind of spit it out, but it didn't look like that at right. that point. It was real messy. Um, but I did, I marched in and that's what, that's kind of the, the idea of what kill the spider yeah. is. We need to 
stop cleaning the cobwebs of sin mm-hmm. and get to the root. Yeah. So like so so cobwebs kind of represent the things that are that are essentially the 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 outward signs of sin or like the symptoms Absolutely. of it and the things you keep going back to trying to you know maybe take the take the fruit off so to speak but yep. the spider is the root it's the source. Yeah. It's so I, I keeps... define it as this. I, I define a spider as a lie that you've made an agreement to. Wow. So at the end of the day all of our sinful nature is coming from some lie that we've made, an agreement with the enemy. Mm. So, so there, there's massive lies, there's big lies, and there's little lies mm-hmm. in our life. Though, so a spider is a lie. A listener can just kind of get that. A spider is a lie that you made an agreement to. A cobweb is a medicator mm. that brings false comfort to the lie. Okay, let me wow. say that again. The, the, the cobweb is a medicator that brings false okay. comfort to the wow. lie. So again, we love in the church these days... Five steps to a better marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, life hacks, yeah, tips and tricks. Well, that, that's mm-hmm. cleaning cobwebs. Yep. Okay, three steps to stop looking at pornography. Right. Well, again, the reason you're looking at pornography is because there's a lie that yeah. you've made an agreement to. Right. So we deal with symptoms. We deal with symptom management. Right. Um, we medicate our symptoms as opposed to getting to the root. Yeah. Again, a lie is the spider, mm. and a medicator is the cobweb. Wow. What, what do you what do you feel like, you know, maybe some of the examples of cobwebs in your life or what are the most like notable ones that you see in people's lives? Sure. If you're going to begin to identify, you know, you, you certainly want to identify the spider, but being able to identify also what your cobwebs well, are, what your tendencies are to medicate. And cobwebs to, are first, for sure. Yeah. Like if you're, uh, I tell people in the book, you know, if you're on a journey towards your spider, um, that's, that's going to be the, the hardest place to get to is to that lie. Uh-huh. But a lot easier place to get to is your cobwebs. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that is scary for people to do, but helps the most, is simply asking your family and friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> asking them, um, and and you could even do like a like a three hundred sixty evaluation, three hundred sixty mm-hmm. evaluation that um, that they don't even have to put their names on, but they can tell you things. That was one of the, one of the things I hated the most when I worked at North Point is they made us do these anonymous evaluations <laughs> with our teams, and I had like a team of twelve <laughs> people working for me, and it was grueling because. I, I, they would answer these questions about all the things I needed to work on, and right. I didn't know who it was that was saying it, you know. Um, but uh, your family and friends are going to be great people to help you, yeah. if you if you're having a hard time. But, I mean, let's be honest. When I said the word cobwebs and I explained it the way I was explaining it, things automatically pop into, our, yeah, into your absolutely. heads if you're listening. Like, things do. And so um, let, let's just kind of talk about the kind of the hairy, ugly ones, right? Mm-hmm. So pornography, mm-hmm. um, that is going to be a cobweb, okay? okay. That, that is going to be something that um, is is medicating mm-hmm. you. That, that That's what that is. Yep. It's medicating a loneliness. It's, it's medicating or loneliness. Whatever the root issue is, the yes. lack of intimacy, yes. the, you know... Again, lack, it's, it's medicating right. that. So that's a cobweb. Alcohol, mm-hmm. okay? Um, that, that's also a cobweb. Now, now here's, here's where things begin again to spread out, and this is why I wrote an entire book on it, is not all cobwebs start off as bad. Yeah. Okay, so wow. um, God gives each and every one of us desires of our hearts, yeah. in, in our hearts. God created things inside of you that bring you joy. Mm. Those same desires, the enemy is going to come in and try to manipulate and steal yeah. those same desires God's placed inside of you and turn them into cobwebs. So, wow. I, uh, easy example. Um, you know, I tell guys a lot, like, their their addiction to hunting 
and fishing and these things that right. people would they're think not bad are things. Not bad things. Yeah, these are bad nature. things. Yeah. But next thing you know, you're going fishing because you're trying to get away uh, from the pain in your home. Escapism or escape yeah. your family. Mm-hmm. Escape your. Th- Suddenly, do you see how a desire that God's placed inside of your heart has turned into a cobweb. Right. So, what are things that you're doing? that are causing you to medicate huh. um, and to bring some, again, false comfort to something deeper. Right. Um, and so, so again, you know, anger, gossip, um, anxiety, alcohol. Uh, I mean, it really could be yep. anything. It, re- yep. it really could be anything. Yep. And so, um, uh, yeah, we can get more well, into that. Well, one. so th- th- this is interesting because th- th- it's so complicated, the layers of this, right? I mean, like, it's almost the metaphor of a cobweb. It's so complicated. It's so intricate in nature in the sense that you have two, almost two types of pain or trial in people's lives. You've got mm. pain that's inflicted on you, right? You're a victim of it. And then you've got pain that you inflict on yourself. <laughs> right. And oftentimes, you know, the majority of our pain, I would, I would say, in life is pain that we inflict on ourselves. Absolutely. You know, no one's lied to us, yeah. cheated us, you know, um, manipulated us more than us, Absolutely. more than myself. And so, so but, but the problem is, is it, when you, sometimes you become a victim of external pain, mm-hmm. but you can exacerbate that by layering it with cobwebs, by sure. layering it with that, the, the medication, the escapism, the whatever it is that you're yeah. trying to, and it can cause even more pain in your life. Yeah. And then sometimes, like you said, and this is such an interesting phrase to me, because I want you to unpack this a little bit if you can, the, the idea of rubbing crap, we'll just censor yeah. it here, <laughs> yeah. rubbing crap all over your blessing. So sometimes yep. it's not even like a pain that you're medicating, but it's something like something else that oh, I mean, yeah. you've got this fantastic life, it seems like, yeah. from the outside looking in, and yet th- there were cobwebs that began to manifest themselves in your soul, yeah. you know? And so, like, what is... You know, speak to the to the listener about that a little bit, because I think that's where... It, I think for you and me both, we both grew up in the church. Yeah. That's where it gets the most deceptive. Sure. Because you don't... You can't... You don't see that stuff coming a little... There's, like, right. really almost very tricky, deceiving, yeah. conniving lies of the enemy yeah. when you grow up in church. It, it's, it's so true. And you so know, un- unpack those a little bit if, you, if you're able to. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, I, I think that the whole rubbing crap on your blessings thing is, um, is something that I think a lot of people that have grown up in the church, you don't have to have grown up as a pastor's kid, just in the church in general, right. um, will we'll begin to, to see happen in, in your life when you start making some agreements. Um, some negative agreements, some mm. agreements with lies, because the truth is, is we can get very, um, we get very comfortable yeah. in the church. We, people yeah. get very comfortable in their faith. Um, and so what ends up happening is our faith, which, which was at, at one point, again, no, which is a gift from God. Yeah. Okay. This is an incredible gift. This is, I mean, ever you remember when you received Jesus? Yeah. Like, the breath, it's like a freaking inhaler to an asthmatic. You yeah. didn't know that you were asthmatic until you took the first hit of that inhaler, and then you're like, oh, I wasn't even, br- I didn't know I wasn't right, breathing. Right. <laughs> it was that incredible yeah. of, a, of a feeling. And then mundaneness and I don't know, monotony mm-hmm. kind of creeps into our faith. Well, next thing you know, we start existing in this, I mean, just a boring, mm. just a really boring faith. Yeah. yeah. That, that is in no way, shape, or form resembling what Jesus has for Just you. Just kind of going through the motions. Just going Just, through the motions. Yep, it's, it's, not, it's not shalom. It's right. not what Jesus intended our faith to be. So this is where I found myself, mm. is I found myself in, okay, I, I had my mountaintop experience. Um, now, really, like, like I'm like, I'm doing discipleship. I'm learning. I guess I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. But I'll tell you, it really never got much deeper than that. Mm. And this is really scary to say. I mean, I went... 
I grew up in some really Bible teaching churches. Mm-hmm. I worked at some incredible churches, North Point. I, I, I mean, when I was in the in the depths of the sin that I was mm-hmm. rubbing crap on my blessings, I was on staff at North Point Community mm-hmm. Church, like learning under Andy Stanley. Right. Like, but again, it, we can just get into into such a space of where we're just going through the motions. Yeah. Just going through, if you're on church staff, just going through the motions, going through the motions, and not. Not living in that shalom, not living in that that freedom yeah. that Christ where has intended. Where it's real, where, you it's, know, where it's where it's almost like palpable. Oh you know? yeah, like, that space, that yeah, space. Yeah. And so here's the danger. Going back to what we were talking about a second ago, when someone begins to exist in that mm-hmm. in the, in that stale space in their faith, they now need some sort of other rush mm-hmm. in their life in order wow. to give them that breath again, in wow. order to feel that inhaler to an asthmatic yeah, again. Yeah. And so we start looking outside of our faith. We start wow. compromising our morals. We start doing things that Jesus himself was supposed to be the mm-hmm. only thing that is going to satisfy us. But when Jesus stops satisfying us, because, because I'll go ahead and say it's not Jesus' fault, right? because we have, we, we've, we've stopped, we've stagnated our faith. Suddenly now we're, we're chasing tail, we're chasing all kinds yep. of other things yep. to give us that rush. And that's where um, shame begins to come mm. in. And um, agreements with shame comes in. Mm-hmm. You've done something wrong, and you think, "Well, you know, I've had an affair. Nobody knows about it, um, but I know about it, and I know Jesus knows about mm-hmm. it. And you know what? I'm screwed now. I'm so dirty. I'm just going to keep. I'm going wow. to keep, keep going. I'm going to yeah. keep going. I'm going to keep going. Um, and I'm just going to kind of, kind of get through this. Ho- you know, I, I hope at one point I'm going to go to heaven. I mean, that's what the Bible yeah. says. You know, but we just get to these places, and it's for some people listening to this. That may seem so far away, mm. but I promise you, it is. If if you think it's so far away from you, I mean, you're you're probably the most susceptible wow. to being able to fall into that. Um, and so that's where I found myself is rubbing crap on my blessings because I'd made a few mistakes, and then I'd made an agreement with shame. I'd made an agreement that I wasn't worth God's love. I'd made an wow. agreement that God had abandoned me. And even even if I didn't know that I'd made that agreement at that point, that's what had happened. Now I know because I've yeah. gone through therapy and I've you know the right. Holy Spirit's revealed things to me, but. Um, yeah, it, it can get really dangerous as a believer the second your faith becomes stagnant, mm. the second you lose some wildness in your faith. Mm. Um, th- those are the most dangerous places I think you can be in your faith. Yeah, yeah, and I certainly want to in a, in a little bit talk about how do we prevent that? How do we, you know, how do we get to a place where we keep injecting this, you know, this this the freedom oh, and yeah. our, you know, the the authenticity of our faith and living in that really real space, like wild, like you said, but. But first, I want to back up just a little bit because, you know, you've alluded a, a few times to kind of this rock bottom place yeah. that you landed at. And I think it'll help the listener to kind of get some context of, of where you're at and, and where your journey has been sure. to be able to fill, fill us in on that and, yeah. and what, that, what that looked like. There were two rock bottom places for me. Okay. Um, and really coming from, really coming from two different spaces. One kind of like what you were saying, one was really self-induced mm. and one was not. Mm-hmm. And so um, so let me, let me go back to the first one that really was not, um, I guess I was probably four years into leading worship at Sandals Church. We were growing really fast at this point. We're probably running 2,000 people. And I was the, I was the worship pastor. Mm-hmm. I, I was the guy. And I was on stage um, leading worship. And I'll never forget it. Like I'm on stage at the movie theater that we were meeting in, and um, all of a sudden, everything started spinning. My heart started pounding. My chest started hurting. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm dying. Wow. 
on stage in front of all these people. Like wow. I'm about to die. I'm having a heart attack. So I took a deep breath. Everything went black. Everything came back. I put my guitar down. I looked at like my bass player, Rob. I'll never forget him looking at me like, are you okay? I was like, no. And I stumbled off stage and they're still playing the song. And Nathan, our admin pastor, came up at that point and like said, dude, are you okay? And I was like, no, get a doctor. Like something's wrong with me. And I'm gr- grasping my chest. And so I remember him walking to the mic and saying, stopping the song and asking for a doctor. Wow. Is there a doctor in the room? So I can't remember the doctor's name, but he came sprinting towards the back. Something's wrong with Carlos. So the church starts praying. My wife comes running up, you know, like, I was like, I'm having a heart attack. And he takes my pulse and he asks me a couple questions and takes my pulse again. He's like, yeah, I know. You're not having a heart attack. It's beaten. I was like, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm dying. He's like, no, you're not dying. You're actually having a panic attack. Wow. And I was like, a what? And again, we're talking 1998. This was, it wasn't like hip and cool to to be anxiety, depression. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, And so (laughs) I was like, I'm, that's what crazy people have those things. Yeah. He's like, no, you're, you're having a panic attack. And that began the beginning Mm -hmm. of um, one of the lowest seasons in my life. I, um, again, nobody understood this in the church at this point. Yeah. Um, I went home and I couldn't even drive. Um, I got home and I just remember I began to beg God to take mm. it away. God, I mean, I thought I was going, it felt like I was going crazy. I mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Lord, take this feeling away. Take this anxiety away. Every time I would try to back down my driveway, the next morning I had to go to the doctor. Obviously, I want to go to the doctor to see, you know, what's, is my, some adrenaline gland going nuts? Can you fix it? Can you cut it out? <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I remember backing up and I started going to panic again. I started sweating. I was shaking. So I couldn't, and Heather had to take me to the doctor. And him, you know, he's like, no, we ran all the tests. Like, you're fine. Like, this, mm. this is, there's something wrong with your anxiousness. And so I'll tell you, people start at this point, well, you're not praying hard enough. So I'm like, all right, let me pray harder. <laughs> That's always the answer, right? Yeah, dude, I'm <laughs> like, harder. Faith. I'm going to pray harder. I pray harder. <laughs> and it's not going away. Yeah. And so in this really dark, dark season, I mean, I, I didn't lead worship for nine months. Wow. Um, I... I, I was I was useless. I couldn't leave my house. I was at, during some part of it. I was like even bedroom ridden. Like I couldn't even leave my bedroom. And I thought this is over. Like this is this is it. And I, unbeknownst to me, made an agreement when I prayed and it didn't go away mm. that God had abandoned me. Wow. There, there it was. I, I and I, I mean, I, I'll remember now. Yeah. Feeling that feeling like. I actually, I actually do believe he's real. Yeah. I do. But I believe he's like, all right, I'm done with you. He left you. He's gone. So I make now this, this So this was your spider. Yes, right? so there right. it is. This so is there it is. This you was, got it. But you didn't identify it right in that no, moment. No. It took years and years oh, and years yeah. later, right? Okay. I, I don't even know. I, yeah. I didn't know that I made this agreement. Right. But there was the agreement that I had been abandoned. Um, so I start living out of that lie. Mm. I start, and so what do I, what do I do? I start medicating wow. my anxiety. I start wow. medicating. I start drinking. Gosh, I start looking at pornography. Anything I can do to give my body yeah. a rush that for, for a moment will Just let to me ease it. not feel. Yep, relax, you know, take the edge not off. Not feel yep. the, the anxiety. So that there's kind of the beginning of that. Um, now, I go to therapy, I take medicine, I start exercising, start eating right. I start managing mm-hmm. my anxiety really mm-hmm. well. Like I'm, I'm wow. actually managing it. And yep. I'm actually now saying, you know what? Like I can do this. I can live with anxiety. Yep. Like I can... I can live with anxiety. Unbeknownst to me, again, that the words I'm speaking, I can live with anxiety, 
is creating more spiders. I am now saying I am going to live in bondage with anxiety and Jesus will give me just enough to make me be able to get to the end of my days living anxious. That's what I was saying. Giving permission for an infestation of spiders. I mean, come on, right? And again, but I'm I'm saying this because people are like, yeah. oh, I have anxiety, and the fact that you're, right. you're living with anxiety makes me feel like I can live with anxiety. And yeah. then so I'm like, oh, oh and I'm going to say it more. So empowering empo- Yeah, oh, okay. I'm going to help you. Yeah. I'm going to help people. Right. Little do I know that by saying this, I'm just yeah. giving the enemy a foothold. I'm right. giving him, uh, you know. So let alone if you talk to anybody who suffers from anxiety, like if they're really honest with you, they don't want to suffer from no, anxiety. No, like, but I'm taking scripture at this point. Exactly. I'm taking First Peter 5, 7. The God of all grace will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you right. after you have suffered a little. Right. And so I took with the after you've suffered a little yep. and hung on to that like, well, there suffering, it is. Here I'm we go. suffering. Wow. I'm going to suffer. But no, it says he's going to personally restore, establish, restore, strengthen, yeah. and support you wow. after you suffered a little. A little. Hmm. <laughs> a little. But again, again, agreements, agreements, yep. agreements, lies, lies, lies. So there's kind of rock bottom number yep. one. I claw my way out, roll up my sleeves, work my way out. Carlos works. Clean out the cobwebs. Clean out the cobwebs. Yep, yep. Works my way out. Then go to North Point. Um, you know, I'm drinking a whole lot at this point. Um, sign a record deal with Integrity Music. Start touring. Um, and right when I started touring, um, the uh, man, I'll tell you what. You know, this is this is a cobweb for many people. Social media mm. addiction, not social media in and of itself. I mean, that's just a thing, but what it can do to you, yeah, becomes a massive cobweb. And there's lots of lies that are born inside of that spiders. So, I, I mean, I'll never forget. Like it was some some beautiful woman started following me, mm. um, and I'll I'll never forget. Like I, it was like a I can't remember a direct message or something like, and it was it was very godly. It was like right. oh, like the the message you spoke. Yeah, just touched my heart, and yeah. Usually the enemy doesn't come in. Oh no! Like, you know, oh no! You know, no. It's like this woman with you know in lingerie or something. Yeah, no, it's like, no, oh, no. It's a very godly. Yeah, yeah. And I was an like, angel oh, of light. You know, I'm so glad. Yeah. Like I'm so, you know. And then, well, let me know if I can ever help. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can help. Pray for me for this. Uh, one one thing leads to another, and then all of a sudden, like this is all in like private messages. I'm like, oh, nobody will ever even need to know wow. about this. Yeah. And man, I I went on a journey towards a massive emotional affair, mm. um, and was in it for uh, probably eight eight or nine months. Wow. Um, and rock bottom number two was when my wife found out, mm. um, and and it was over. And she took the kids, and I didn't see her for four months. And um, that was rock bottom number two. Wow. Um, that was that was nauseating. Like it was it was over. Everything was over. I I, I every everything, bro. Like I was I was a yep. signed worship artist. Like I yep. was I was I can't do it anymore. Like it's yep. over. I'm apply at Home Depot. Like things right. are you know. Well, I can't imagine. I mean, sorry to interrupt. No, but, yeah. But on the drive down to Nashville today, I read that portion of the book. Oh yeah. Where you put your wife's part of your wife's letter to you. Yeah. Where she's like, hey, you know, I want to do the co-parenting thing and I'm going to pray for you, but we're done. We're done. And man, it it like just sunk me oh, right. to read that. Never mind the fact that this entire, you know, earthly kingdom, so to speak, that you had built or that you'd been a sure. part of here was now completely crumbled. Yeah. But the fact that like your best friend, your partner ministry, your helpmate, your wife, your bride now is like done. Yep, walls are closed. Like so, losing everything in that moment, you know. And it just, man, I just like 
broke yeah. reading that. Could yeah. not imagine how you felt. It that. was, it was, you know, you mentioned a letter. My wife, the next morning, uh, I got a letter from my wife, hand-delivered from one of my best friends who she was staying with. Um, it was a love letter. It was mm-hmm. seven pages long. She wrote everything she loved about me. Wow. I mean, this trip. And remember when we did that? And remember when we did that? And she goes, this isn't a love letter because I love you right now. This is a love letter to everything that I have loved about wow. you. And this is the last love letter that you'll ever get from me. Um, and it was as beautiful as it was, it was equal parts gutting. Yeah. And uh, so began the, the, so began what rock bottom really looks like yeah. and what I realized it really was. And, um, and, I, and so the listener knows this is the same wife that I, that just told me to be home before midnight tonight. So, so we're, yeah. you know, we're yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. We're like, like, talk about <laughs> we, we get to process. talk, get to talk about the process, but, but, yeah. but at the moment it, it was, it was over. I mean, she was wow. done. She was done. And she, you know, she, she'll still look you in the eye and say, no, I am done with that marriage. Wow. Like, that marriage is over. Wow. Um, and so, um, yeah, man, it was, it, it was rock bottom. And, and when, when you hit rock bottom, you've got one or two options, one of two options. Mm. Um, I'll never forget. I called, um, the, the day after, I hadn't called anybody. I was, you know, I had a friend kind of looking looking out for me, like scared I was going to do something to myself. And I called, I called the one guy I knew I could, I could trust. His name is Mike Foster. He's a, he's one of my best friends on the planet. And which, by the way, we're going to be hanging with Mike Foster oh, in a few go. months. So oh, they're going to go. get to hear from Mike Foster. You get to hear from awesome. Mike. Mike was the first phone call I made wow. in 2010, whenever this was. And I called Mike and I said, "I'm weeping." I was like, "Mike, I screwed up." Mike, I screwed up. Like, God, it's over. It's over. And uh, he said, Carlos, you need to know a few things. One, I'm for you. Mm. Uh, two, God's not done with you. And um, three, I hear that you you said you've screwed up and that you're actually saying you, you're choosing light now. Mm. Like, you were in darkness and you have a decision to make. You can either choose truth or lies, mm. and you're choosing truth. You're saying, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I want to be healed. I, he's like, wow. everything, you have everything going for you. Like, so just know that no matter what happens, Mike is going to be right there mm-hmm. with you. Oh, my gosh. And if there was one human being that was with me that entire journey, it was, it was Mike Foster. And um, he, uh, he, he, he wrote me this letter maybe a month later that I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, yeah. I've shared it with so many people um, that it was, it was like 15 truths that I needed to know about the situation I was in. And any friend of mine that's kind of, fe- you know, fallen into despair, rock bottom, I have sent this letter that Mike wrote to me. So anyway, I'll, I'll give it to you. You can put it on your website or yeah, whatever it wow. is. But, um, Mike, Mike was the, the guy that kind of made me realize, you know what? I am going to choose light. Mm. And choosing truth and choosing light at the, at the midst of the darkest moment that lies had got me to yeah. was my only way out. It's, wow. it's the only way out. It's not more lies. It's, it's just truth. Wow. Um, and so began the journey of living in truth and seeing where it could ultimately get me. And, bro, truth has taken me to some incredible places. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So he called you and he said three things. He said, one, I'm for you. Yeah. God's not done with you. And you have a choice to make. Yeah. You can choose dark or light. this dark or mm-hmm. light. And man, how powerful. So, so here's what, cause we're, we're 
out of time for yeah. this episode. We're going to pick back up next episode, but I, dun, want to, dun, dun, I want the listener to hear this. You're in a situation right now. You're walking through a, a trial, pain, self-inflicted or other inflicted, doesn't sure. matter. But you need to hear, we're for you. Yeah. God's not done with you. No way. And you have a choice to make. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that process and that journey that yeah. Carlos did that you can implement in your life as well on the next episode of the podcast. So Come on. stay tuned for that. Yeah. Well, that was such a good interview, yeah, right? That was incredible. It was so fun when you guys were recording this. I was like sitting over on the couch, <laughs> not at the table you were recording it, just like feeling really thankful that we get to do this, yeah. you know, that we get to hear these stories, um, but ultimately that we get to share them yeah. with our listeners. Um, and just like, it's a privilege right. <laughs> to be able to do this. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just felt really thankful well, just, in that moment. You know, I mean, even like there at the very end of the interview, it was like such a pastoring moment. Yeah. And like, I just, you know, the, the dream that I have for this podcast is that people are driving in their car and they're hearing our hope through the microphone, right? Mm-hmm. And healing through the microphone. And healing through your headphones, we've talked about yeah. that. And they're just in this moment where maybe they really need to hear from God. Mm-hmm. And we're able to reach in and say, hey, this is God's word to you right now in your situation. Yeah. And I just truly believe that even right now under the sound of my voice, there is somebody that needed to hear that from Carlos, mm-hmm. that needed to hear that God's not done with them. Yep. And um, this is just providing them that hope. And so that's what I love about what we get to do in this podcast and 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 really love just being able to have other people on it that have also walked through difficult circumstances and follow the same healing and restorative God that we follow yeah. and are able to offer that hope. And so it's just, it's really, I can't wait for part two of the interview. I can't either. Yeah. It's really good, guys. I mean, truthfully, I don't know. I feel this about every podcast that we do, <laughs> but like the next one is just like my favorite. Yeah. It's like the best one. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear part two and just hear about um, the second the second part of mm-hmm. this journey, right? Yep, um, Because where we left off is kind of in the middle of it. Absolutely. So, so if this is helpful to you, um, please go to on iTunes, um, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, rate and review this. It really helps us get this word out. It yeah. helps the the podcast to climb in, in the rankings. Subscribe to it. That helps as well. Yeah. And just to be honest, what that helps us do is that helps us get this into more hands and share it with other people. If you have a friend, I just had a friend that texted me. He's like, man, I just shared this with my brother and my sister and mm-hmm. like want them to listen to it. And um, and that's really helpful too, just to put this in, in people's hands. And, um, and also if you have any questions or any comments or anything that you want, um, reach out to us. Yeah, um, if there's anything we can do for you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we say this a lot, but I don't know, specific questions you want us to talk about, certain people mm-hmm. that you'd like to connect us to potentially. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, hello at DaveyBlackburn.com. Yep, yep. And um, of course, this music has been provided by our friend Sleeping at Last, and you can find him on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere where music is streamed or where you can purchase music. He's an incredible musician. You should definitely check him out. And um, we're going to listen to an excerpt from part two of my interview with Carlos Whitaker. And we'll see you next time on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We, we did this one, this one exercise, and I won't go into super detail, but we, we went on in a labyrinth, and um, a labyrinth isn't a maze. A labyrinth has 
uh, one path that takes you to the center. Mm -hmm. And for every turn in the labyrinth, we were supposed to take off something that... um, something that we believed about God until we just got to the core of who God is in our lives. And so there were Buddhists there, and there were you know, different people of different faith doing their own thing. So I was going on every corner, taking things off, like a bad sermon here or a bad church experience there. And I was like, oh, this feels good. And then I got towards the middle, and I was like, yeah, for the sake of the exercise, yeah, just for the sake of it, because let's just be honest, Jesus crucified, raising from the dead, that's crazy. <laughs> like you say it out, it's just crazy. Yeah. So just for... 30 seconds. I'm just going to put that aside. I'm yeah. just going to put it over here. I'm not going to believe in that for a second. And then let's talk about the Holy Spirit. That's kind of crazy too. <laughs> like the whole Trinity thing, I'm yep. going to take that off. I'm take yep. that. So I get, I get to the middle, my heart's pounding. And I remember just getting to the middle and it's like, God, like there is God and, and he's love in some form. And I remember thinking, okay, cool exercise. Now let me get back out because on the way out of the exercise, on the way out of the labyrinth, every turn you're supposed to put things back on. Okay that matter and leave everything else off. This mm. way, when you leave the labyrinth, you're pure and you're wild, yeah. da, 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 da. So I remember <laughs> I took the first turn and I was like, okay, Jesus, resurrection. And I just remember, bro, it bouncing off, like it, it feeling even like more of a lie than when wow. I took it off. And so I start freaking out. I'm like, no, no, I believe in Jesus. I believe, yeah. in, Je- I believe in Jesus. And I, I got all the way out of that labyrinth and I, I couldn't even get that on. <laughs> 